Amen. So we are going to, I'm going to not pick up in 1 Peter yet. We're going to pick up 1 Peter next week, pick back up in 1 Peter. But the Lord just really led my attention to Matthew 11, verses 28 through 30. I'm going to preach a message this morning called, All the Weary Find Rest. But just to give you a little preview, next week we're going to continue in 1 Peter, but we're going to start a series called Kingdom Submission. Kingdom Submission. And I want to read the first section here that we're going to cover. So this will be the text for next week. This is 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 13. It says, Be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether it be to the emperor as supreme or to governors as sent by him to punish those who do evil and to praise those who do good. For this is the will of God, that by doing good you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. So next week I'm going to talk about our relationship to the, to the government. Our relationship as Christians, how are we to relate to the government and the issue of submission? And then we're going to look at marriage. What does it look like to be submitted to one another in marriage and with children and, and on our jobs? And, and, and so we're going to look at kingdom submission over the next few weeks. But next week, we'll look at our submission to the government. How, what, what's our relationship, what is our relationship as Christians meant to be like? You guys ready for that? Next week. So this, this message today, this was just really on my heart, uh, really felt on my heart to talk about um, how Christ has come to lift our burdens. I just was what I kept thinking about during the week, that Christ has come to lift our burdens. He's come to give us strength, to give us rest. And, and there's really a section in Scripture that really stands out that comes directly from our Lord in Matthew chapter 11, where Jesus boldly declares that if you will come to him, that you will find rest for your souls. And so we're going to look at this section, but by way of introduction, have you ever felt tired? Tired, just tired. Physically, you ever felt tired? Uh, he doesn't know I'm going to do this, but have you ever felt tired running, running a race? We had Jory Billiard here, I heard, ran in the Crescent City Classic. I'm going to give him a shout out because this is pretty impressive. You said there was about two or 3,000 runners, Jory? And Jory Billiard, our very own, finished ninth overall at the Crescent City Classic. That's impressive, brother. <laughs> Did you feel tired as you got towards the end? Extremely tired, right? That's actually in my notes there, to the end of the race. If you felt tired, you got to the end of the race. Me and my son Joel started going to Planet Fitness. Any Planet Fitness people here? I, I've seen a few of you. I've seen a few of, you of, of church members there that go out. Now, now maybe we, we all go at different times, but me and Joel, we try to get there about, we get up around 5, we get there about 5.15-ish, and, and so we go Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and, and we've been consistent. And I just have to say that, yeah, what's today, Sunday? What, what, what's, what's today? <laughs> Today's Sunday. <laughs> on Friday, on Friday, I'm in the, we're working legs and shoulders. Who loves leg day, right? Oh, my goodness, it's terrible. Even guys with skinny legs don't like leg day. <laughs> so we're doing leg day, legs and shoulders. So I do legs first, and we're doing the shoulders, and I finish with a, a shoulder press. And then I had this idea that I'm going to finish doing push-ups at the end. That's a bad idea. And I'm going to do as many as I can do after I just did uh, four sets of shoulder presses. So I get over to where Joel's doing his ab workout, and I'm, I'm on the ground, and I'm doing, I do as many as I can, and... I'm telling you, I thought I was going to pass out. 
I was so tired. My shoulders burned so much. So have you ever felt tired like that physically? Just like you're just at the end. I couldn't do another push-up. I could not lift up again. I fell on the ground. I was exhausted. But have you ever felt like that emotionally? Or spiritually? Just tired. You're just carrying the weight of the world on your shoulders. It's one thing to be physically tired, but to be emotionally tired in some situations can be even more burdensome than physical tiredness. You're just overwhelmed internally. Your soul is not at rest. You've been there. We've all been there from time to time where our soul is not at rest. We are tired. We're worn out. Circumstances of life have just worn us out. And in this section of Scripture, we have some of the most beautiful words that Jesus ever spoke and is recorded in Scripture. He makes a clear call and he says that if you will come to him, if, we will, if anyone will come to him, that they can have rest for their souls. Isn't that good news? And that's what we're going to look at today. Would you open your Bibles? Or if you don't have your Bibles, look to the screens. Matthew 11. We're going to read these verses 28 through 30. Listen to Jesus' call. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So simple message, simple truths here that Jesus is communicating to us. But, but there's really, there's three imperatives, or, or you, could say, you, you, you could say three commands or exhortations from Christ that I see in this text. Three exhortations that Christ is saying to all of us at different seasons of our life, or I should say every day he's calling out to us. Every day with these exhortations, these imperatives, three imperatives from Christ. And the first one is this, very simply, come to Christ. Come to Christ. This is the first place. This is the beginning of rest. This is the beginning point of you finding rest in your life. If you're emotionally tired, you're spiritually tired. If you are worn out because life has worn you down, the first step for you is to come to Christ. Wherever you are, whatever circumstances you've been walking through, the, your, your, the, the, the first step to your answer in your life to finding peace and rest is to come to Christ, and Jesus boldly says it. But what, what's interesting about Jesus saying, come, come to me, what's interesting about him saying, come to me during this time, is that Jesus is speaking to a crowd of people that are accustomed to, earn, to, uh, to, to believing that they are going to be right before God by observing the law. So the context of what Jesus is saying here, he's saying, come to me all who labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest. He's speaking to people that are laboring for their righteousness. They're laboring to be right with God. They are working hard. They're observing the law. They're being good Jews. And Jesus, no doubt, in the crowd that he was speaking to, there, was, there would have been some Pharisees there. There would have been some scribes there. The Pharisees were known for their strict adherence to the law of God. And not only did they observe the law of God, but they took the Ten Commandments, the foundation of the, the law of God, and they multiplied them in many times over into other re- regulations and customs and ceremonial laws. And, and they expanded them beyond, beyond what God had called them to expand it to. And so 
So, so they were laboring for their righteousness. And Jesus is speaking to them and saying, come to me if you're laboring and if you're heavy laden. Come to me and you will find rest. It's interesting, the word labor. When you, when you look at the original meaning from in this text for the word labor, it has a progression built into the definition in the Strong's Concordance. The word labor means this, to labor, to work, or to give effort. That makes sense, right? But into the definition of the word labor, it also means this, to be tired or to grow weary. And then it means this, it's, it's like another progression. You're laboring, you're working, you're giving effort, you're growing tired, you're growing weary. And then it says to lose heart, to be emotionally fatigued, or to be discouraged. And I'm here to tell you here today, if you are laboring for your own righteousness, you will grow weary and tired, you will lose heart, you will, you will become emotionally fatigued, and you will become discouraged. The only place that we can come to find rest for our souls, true rest at the core of who we are, is not in our self-righteousness. It's not in our efforts of being right before God. The only place that we can find true rest, Christ is saying to us, is to come to him. Come to him. All who labor and are heavy laden. Heavy laden simply means to be burdened down because we're carrying something. You've been carrying something, you've been carrying the burdens of your life, or or you've been carrying the burdens of trying to earn God's love, God's favor in your life. Jesus says, come to me. But this was the way of the Pharisees. The way of the Pharisees was to, to believe that by laboring hard, by working hard to please God, which is a good thing, we want to please God, but their mindset was flipped. They believed that by working hard and laboring hard, that that's That's what God was wanting from them. And that was the way to please them. They had to walk in perfection. They couldn't miss the mark. So they were carrying heavy burdens. This was the way of the Pharisees. Jesus talked about them later on in Matthew. Listen to what Jesus said about the Pharisees. Matthew 23. Jesus said to the crowds and to his disciples, the scribes and the Pharisees, sit on Moses' seat. What does that mean? Pharisees sat, scribes and Pharisees sat on Moses' seat. That means that they were the, the keepers of the law. Moses, the law came through Moses. God gave the Ten Commandments through Moses on Mount Sinai, right? So the Pharisees and the scribes, they were the, the keepers of the law, the protectors of the law of God. They sit on Moses' seat. Listen, Jesus says, so do and observe whatever they tell you, but not the works that they do. For they preach, but do not practice. They tie up heavy burdens, hard to bear. They lay them on people's shoulders, but they themselves are not willing to move them with their finger. They do all their deeds to be seen by others, for they make their phylacteries broad. A phylactery was a, a leather box that would be worn on the forehead or, and on the, on, on, on the bicep muscle of a, of a Pharisee. And they would wear, and inside that leather pouch would be scriptures from the Old Testament, from the Torah. And the idea was that, that this phylactery, the scriptures would, 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 would be, because the, 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 in the Torah, it's, it, we, we are called to have the word of God before our eyes. So they would put it on, the, on their forehead. And then, and then they would put it on their bicep muscle. This idea was, was, that, was that, it would, that the word of God would be their strength. That it would be what they would be, uh, uh, it would be the foundation of their strength. And Jesus is saying that they're doing that. They're doing that. They're putting it there so they can be seen by others. They love the place of honor at feasts and the, the best seats in the synagogues and greetings in the marketplaces and being called rabbi by others. Jesus says, woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, 
for you tithe mint and dill and cumin. Some of you think, I can't tithe my money. The Pharisees tithe, gave a tenth. They said, we're not just going to tithe our income. We're going to take our dill and our cumin, our Tony Sacheries, our garlic powder. We're going to take our spices and we're going to divide a tenth of all of that even. We're going to go to the extreme end. Listen to what Jesus says. You've neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice and mercy and faithfulness. These you have ought to have done without neglecting the others. You blind guide, straining out a gnat and swallowing a camel. What does that mean? It means that they didn't want to drink anything that was unclean. So they would strain, they would take their drink, their drinks, and they would pour it through a sieve to the point that they didn't want to make sure there was not even a gnat in their drink. And what is Jesus saying here? You're straining out a gnat? The smallest of the unclean things that are considered unclean, but you're swallowing a camel. What's he saying? You're missing the point. You're missing the point. Come to me. Righteousness is not through straining out gnats and, and so you're not drinking something unclean. Righteousness does not come through strict adherence to the law of God. Righteousness comes, rest comes, not through labor, but through faith in Christ. Amen? Come to me. The Pharisees would say, do. But Jesus would say, come, come. Pharisees would say, do. But Jesus would say, come. I want to quote you a modern day Pharisee. You guys want to hear a modern day Pharisee? Modern day Pharisee. Last week, there was a pastor in Georgia. I'm not going to tell you his name. It's a pastor in Georgia. You can ask me later. You might have read it. I think it made the news. He said this on Easter Sunday. This is a modern-day Pharisee. He said this, The meaning of Easter is more transcendent than the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Whoa. Whether you are Christian or not, through a commitment to helping others, we are able to save ourselves. It's a modern-day Pharisee. That's a Pharisaical mindset. That's what the Pharisees believe, that we are able to save ourselves. And I feel sorry for that pastor and those who listen to him preach because the reality is, is that that mindset that the Pharisees were ruled by, even though at the, at the core of all of it, there may have been some good motivations, they missed the point. We cannot save ourselves. The only way to find rest for our souls is that we would stop laboring for our righteousness. And that we would, by faith in Christ, find a righteousness that is not our own, as Paul says in Philippians. But a righteousness that does not come from the law, but comes through faith in Christ. Faith in Christ. You know, but the the issue is is that there's all kind of gospel views. And this this pastor in Georgia, I believe he has a wrong view of the gospel. He he thinks that there 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 are other types of gospels that are out there. There's this idea about a social gospel. Maybe you've even heard this term of a woke gospel. There's only one gospel. There's only one gospel. We, no one is saved through a social gospel. No one is saved through a woke gospel, through a gospel of of social justice and, and good works. We're not saved by being good to others. What this pastor said is absolutely 100% false. By helping each other is not how we're saved. We are saved in spite of ourselves. Paul says that in Romans that we are the enemies of Christ. We're the enemies of the cross. 
So many people are laboring and working hard to try to earn salvation, to try to be good, to demonstrate that they're a Christian and they're trying to demonstrate and be good and they're, they're under this weight, this burden. And Jesus is saying to, to, to Pharisees in his day, he's saying to modern day Pharisees, a pastor in Georgia, he's saying, come to me and find rest for your souls. Come to me and find true hope, true healing. There is only one gospel. It is the gospel of Jesus Christ, the good news that Jesus became our substitute by dying as the perfect sacrifice for sins. And we, in fact, could not save ourselves by any amount of helping others or doing good deeds. And I just want to, I just want to warn you, that is a trend in our culture. Hear me, listen. It is a trend in church culture. And it's not a new trend. This is just all repackaged with new terms, social justice and wokeness and all this stuff. That is nothing new. People have been trying to turn upside down the gospel of Jesus Christ for centuries. But the gospel remains the same. No one is saved by being good to their neighbor. You're not. Now, some of you say, well, that sounds good, Pastor Ben. I understand that. But shouldn't we be good to our neighbor? Absolutely. We're good to our neighbor, truly good, when we tell them that apart from faith in Christ, they are, e- they are eternally under the judgment of God. That's how we're good to them. And we're not good because we feed them. We're not good because we clothe them. Yes, we want to clothe and yes, we want to feed. But ultimately, if we clothe and we feed and, and we do all these good social things in people's lives and we don't tell them the truth about eternity, then we are not good to them. We are evil to them. Do you hear me? If we don't tell them the truth, we're not good to them. We're evil to them. There's only one gospel, only one way to find rest with God. It's not through social things. It's through the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's how people are born again. You know, Jesus Loved to tell parables. And he illustrated, he illustrated this reality that we're talking about in Luke 18. You guys remember the parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector? I'm not going to read this section. I'm going to tell you the story. The, the, the Pharisee and the tax collector, they go to the temple. They go to church to pray. And the Pharisee comes in to pray. And it's like Jesus is painting the scene for all those that are listening to him. He's painting the scene for them to listen. And the Pharisee comes in to pray in the temple. And he, he looks around, all around him, and he says, oh, I thank God. Thank you, God, that I'm not like this extortioner. I'm not like this murderer. I'm not like this adulterer. And he looks over at the corner, the far corner on the outside courts of the temple. And he looks and he sees this tax collector. And he says, ah, thank God I am not like that man. And he lifts, he's lifting up his hands and he's looking up. And it's like he's boasting in his own righteousness. And all the good things that he's done. All the things that he's not. And then Jesus says, okay, now the tax collector comes in to the temple to pray. Actually, he didn't even go to the temple. He stood in the outer courts. He wouldn't even go in. He, he, felt, he felt he couldn't even go in. And in Luke 18, it says he wouldn't even lift his eyes to heaven. Pharisee comes in and he's got his head up. He's looking all around. He's pointing fingers. He's making noise. He's praying loud. The tax collector, the one that the Jews would have considered the worst of the worst of the sinners in their day. He comes and he won't even lift his head. He won't even go into the church. 
because he feels so guilty. He recognizes that he's a sinner, and he comes in, and all he does is he beats his chest, which is a sign of repentance, a sign of a penitent heart. He comes in, he beats his chest, and says, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. And Jesus says, which one, which one do you think left justified that day? And Jesus said it was, the, it was the second, the tax collector. He left justified that day. Why? Because he saw who he really was. Jesus says, come to me. Come to me and you will find rest. I've used this example before, but it is so good. It illustrates it well. Some of you have heard it, so I apologize for using it again. But I'm going to use it again for those who may not have heard this illustration. It's like this. Have you seen the movie The Patriot with Mel Gibson? Anybody seen that movie? Yeah. So, in the, there's a scene towards the beginning of the movie. Mel Gibson is building rocking chairs. He's building chairs. And you look over in the corner of his workshop, and he's got a pile of chairs, broken chairs, piled up. You, the, the camera just aims, and you see a, a pile of broken chairs. And then you see Mel Gibson, and he's working really hard. He's, he's, he's hanging his current masterpiece. It's hanging on some ropes, and he's, he's weighing it. He's putting it on a scale. He's weighing it, looking at all the different angles. And he, and, and he takes it down carefully, and, and he sets it down in his workshop. And, and he gets up to it. And he's really slow, obviously, because you've had some other ones that broke. Right? So he's leaning up next to it. He's about to sit. He goes down real slow. And he puts all of his weight, finally, over onto his work of art, the work of his hands. He sits down on it. And he takes a deep breath. He smiles. He really, he, he's, he's like, man, I did it. I finally got it. And all of a sudden, it crumbles and breaks underneath him. And he gets up, he grabs it, and he throws it over into the pile. That's a picture of what it is like whenever we think that by the work of our own hands, by our good deeds, that, that we can place all of our weight over onto our own ability to earn God's righteousness. It's like Mel Gibson sitting on a chair thinking, I'm going to put all my weight over onto that. It will collapse every time. Come to Christ. He is the only way that you will find rest for your soul. Some of you here today are exhausted in your life emotionally and spiritually because you've shifted the weight of your trust over onto your abilities to be right before God. Will you answer the call of God today? Will you answer the call of God today and come to Christ and throw all of your weight, all of your hope over onto him? Would you do that today? Would you place all of your weight, all of your faith over onto Christ It's not about my religion. It's not about how I was baptized. It's not about what church I grew up in. It's about Christ. Some of you are placing your hope in the fact that you were raised in a church. Some of you are placing your hope in the fact that you were baptized as a baby. None of those things earn you salvation. You got to place all of your weight. Jesus says, come to me today and you will find rest for your souls. What does that word rest mean? It means to be refreshed from tiredness. I love this meaning of the word rest in the Strong's Concordance. It says to abide, to remain, and to continue in a state of rest. Isn't that good? So Jesus is saying, if you will come to me, you will find rest. If you will truly come to Christ, your rest will remain. Amen? You will have a rest that remains. Why? Because you are abiding in Christ. What did Jesus say in John 15? Abide in me. And I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself. Mel Gibson, you can't do it on your own. 
unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you, unless you abide in me. I am the vine, and you are the branches. And whoever abides in me, and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. John fifteen five. Write that on your refrigerator. This verse is, is the, the core of the Christian life. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Amen? It's the first call. Jesus says, come to me. Come to me. Are, are you laboring? Are you tired? Are you weary from trying to earn righteousness on, in your own strength? Christ says, come to me. What's the second call? Jesus now gives the second call. He says this now. Take his yoke. Look, look back at the text. Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden. He says, take my yoke upon you. At the end of verse 30, he describes his yoke. He says, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. This is the second imperative. This is the second exhortation. First, come to Christ. Second, take his yoke. Well, what is a yoke? What is a yoke? What would Jesus be describing here? We, we, if, we wanna, if we're saying, if Jesus is saying that we're to take his yoke, then we need to know what a yoke is. So a yoke, would have, they would have understood in this day to be a, a wooden tool that was used to yoke animals together for farming purposes. And so a yoke is... A picture is a picture of submission. It's, it's, it's a yoke. It means, like if you are under a yoke, if, if, if you come to Christ and you are yoked to him, it's the idea that you're under his control. These animals are under the control. You see that little ring right there? They would, they would hook that to whatever uh, tool they were using to, uh, to, to have the, the, the plowing take place, right? And these, these animals would be guided and led by the farmer to plow. They were under the control of the farmer, and the farmer would train them to go where he wanted them to go. It is a picture, a yoke is a picture of submission. So what is Jesus saying here? He's saying to come to me, come to me. I'm the source of hope and peace and, and joy and righteousness and peace. You'll find rest for your souls and take my yoke upon you. Submit to me. Submit to my ways. Being yoked gives a picture of submission. Jesus is saying, take my yoke upon you. Submit to my authority. Submit to my ways. My yoke is easy and it comes with no heavy burdens. Look what Jesus said in Matthew 16. Jesus told his disciples, if anyone would come after me. What did Jesus say? Come, come to me. Jesus said in Matthew 16, if anyone would come after me, let him do what? Deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. What, is, what, what does it mean to deny yourself and take up your cross and follow Christ? It's being yoked to him. It's submission to him. Is that you are surrendering your life to him. I'm abandoning trying to earn my righteousness on my own. And Christ, I am coming to you and I am submitting all that I am and all of my ways, all of my life. I'm yoking myself to you and to your ways. Jesus, this is the second call, the way of submission or surrender to Christ's authority in our life is the way that leads to peace in this life. Do you believe that? It's interesting. Jesus is contrasting yokes here. Did you notice that? He says, let's, let's look back at the text just for a second. He says, take my yoke upon you. He says, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. He's saying that his yoke is easy and his burden is light in contrast to other yokes and burdens. Would you agree with that? He's contrasting yokes. He's saying, come to me, submit to me, take my yoke, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So 
he's implying something. He's saying that in our lives, we can be yoked to things that are not easy and bring lots of burdens. And I think that's the case in in our lives. Some of us as Christians, we've come to Christ. We've submitted to him. We have come by faith. We we, we don't believe that our good works is going to earn our salvation. We are Christians and we we are believers in Jesus Christ. We are in the family of God. We are his. But sometimes we get under the yoke of other things. And we allow other things to control our lives. Have you been there before? Have you been controlled by things that you don't need to be controlled by? You're yoked to certain mindsets and attitudes and opinions and ideas and issues. You're yoked to them. Jesus is saying, you need to be yoked to me. He's contrasting yokes. If any other thing that controls our life, that rules our life, is not going to be easy and is, not, and is going to be a heavy burden. So what are, what are some things... By contrast, contrasting yokes as Jesus did, what are things that we can be yoked to that rob us of peace and place heavy burdens on us? Can you guys think of some things that we could be yoked to? Okay, I I thought of some for you. Since none of you wants to tell me, I I figured I'd I'd wait a few seconds. I I, I thought of three, right? What are some things we can be yoked to that lead to heavy burdens in our life? First one is this, the fleeting pleasures of sin. The fleeting pleasures of sin. Sin brings heavy burdens. When we are yoked to our sinful rebellion, it brings heavy burdens in our lives, even as believers in Jesus Christ. Look what Hebrews 11 says. By faith, Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. Did you notice what it said there in Hebrews? It says that the, that, the, that the sin could be enjoyable. He chose to reject and not enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. So sin is pleasurable for a season. Sin's pleasurable for a season. It, it looks good. It, it feels good. It feels good to do what I want to do, to uh, live by my flesh and my fleshly desires. But you know what happens when we yield ourselves to sin continually in our life? We are yoking ourselves to something that will destroy our lives. It's a heavy burden. It's on our shoulders. We're yoking ourselves to something. Look what Proverbs 13 says. Good understanding gives favor, but the way of a transgressor is what? hard so so this is one area in our life that if we yoke ourselves to sin and we go the way of sin in our life life will be hard life will be hard if we submit if we yoke ourselves to sin sin is a hard taskmaster sin will boast of great things but its end is misery pain and heavy burdens its ultimate end is death scripture says the end of sin is death what else do we yoke ourselves to that rob us of the peace that belongs to us in Christ? I, I, I thought about offense and bitterness. So we have the fleeting pleasures of sin, but, but offense and bitterness, those are sins as well. But we don't, we don't look at offense and bitterness as sin, do we? I would put offense and bitterness in the category of what we would wrongly call respectable sins. They're sins that we keep way down in here, Underneath their jacket, underneath their shirt, uh, under layers, way under layers of fence and bitterness. Offense and bitterness are sins. Some here today, you've been offended or hurt by someone, and that hurt has turned into bitterness. 
We've let it sit. You've let it sit for months or maybe even years without releasing or forgiving. That's a yoke that you're burdened to. And you have no rest for your soul because you're still holding out hope for vengeance for that person. You want them to pay. You want them to, to get what they deserve and get what they've earned because of what they did to you, said about you, how they mistreated you, how you were overlooked, how you were wronged, lied about, sinned against, and you're, you're not letting it go. You're not forgiving. Offense and bitterness is a heavy yoke that will rob you of the rest that belongs to you in Christ. Offenses and bitternesses. Offenses and bitterness. We are yoked to the offense and it controls our life. We have to release that person to the Lord. What does scripture say? It says that vengeance belongs to who? Not to us. God will repay. It's not up to us to make sure. Listen, it's so easy. Like when you watch, watching movies is not a good idea. When it comes to this subject. What do you see in movies? The bad guy does something bad and what do they get? revenge they get what they deserved right and we we like to see that in movies because we want people to get what they deserve it breeds something in us doesn't it and when somebody sins against us and they offend us and we grow bitter towards them we we like we want that movie ending that they get what they deserve we have to see it through a different lens vengeance is up to the lord judgment is up to god he will repay He will deal with them. We cannot allow that offense and bitterness to be yoked to our life and to control every relationship. Our responsibility is to forgive. That's our only responsibility. It's not vengeance. It's not not restitution. It's not revenge. Our responsibility is to forgive. That's how we're going to have peace back in our life. That's how we are going to be free and not be yoked to something that's controlling us. Do people deserve forgiveness? that have hurt you no one deserves it we, you don't we don't wait for people to deserve it we forgive because christ gave us the example of forgiving us and we didn't deserve his forgiveness do you believe that today what's another some other things we could be yoked to and it, it's it's one category but you could say it like this worry anxiety or fear so fleeting pleasures of sin sin is a yoke bitterness and Offense is a yoke that burdens us and puts heavy burdens on us and worry, anxiety, and fear. They're also yokes that, that control us. We face many situations in our life that give opportunity for worry, anxiety, or fear to rule us. For some here today that, that have these heavy yokes, you have these heavy yokes on, on your shoulders. You're, you're, you're ruled by worry, anxiety, or fear. You're ruled by it. You're controlled by it. Listen to this. When we are controlled by fear about the future, we become paralyzed in our obedience to what God's called us to now. When I think about worry, anxiety, and fear, I think that the thing that's common of being, about being fearful is that, is that what makes us fearful or worried is, is having to do with the future, is that we don't know. I don't know what the future holds. I don't know what's going to happen in our country. I don't know what's going to happen with my wife and my kids. I don't know what's going to happen uh, when I leave here. And, and we can live in a world of anxiety and fear, and it can yoke, be yoked to our, we can be yoked to that fear and that anxiety, and it controls every decision we make, and we live paralyzed to do, to do anything that we're called to do here and now. Jesus says in Matthew 6, he says, don't be anxious about your life what you will eat or what you will drink, about the future, right? He's talking about the future. Don't, don't be anxious about what you put on. 
Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? And he says this in verse 34. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about tomorrow. Don't let tomorrow be a heavy yoke on your life. Don't let what you don't know is going to happen be a burden that you are yoked to that causes you to live in worry and anxiety and fear. You can't control the future and you have never been able to. Do you know that? None of us can control the future. We have to find such a place of rest in the providence of God that God, the future is in your hands. And I am not going to live a life yoked to fear, controlled by fear. And look, you may be sitting right here and you may be thinking, Ben, move on. I'm over that. But I'm telling you, there's people here right now that's listening to me. Whether it's here in this room or on live stream or they can listen to it on, on YouTube. That that is your life. And what I'm telling you, when I, what I'm saying right now is speaking to your heart. Because that is you. You need to know that God has your future. That whatever comes, good or bad, that he is going to take care of you. That you can't control your future. You can't change your future by worrying about what's going to happen. Don't be anxious about tomorrow. For tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Live with what God is doing in your life right now. Amen? Jesus is saying in Matthew 11, come to me. Come to me and find rest for your souls. Come and embrace the gospel of Christ and find true peace. He's saying, be yoked to me. Let go of the, of the many things. Those, those are just three areas, categories of things that we could be yoked to. He's saying, let go of the many things in this life that seek to control you. And submit to me and find true freedom and peace. So three imperatives. Three exhortations. All the weary here today, come to Jesus. You take his yoke. And lastly this morning, learn from him. Learn from him. Look back at the text. Jesus says, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden. Take my yoke upon you. And what? Learn from me. Let's go back to the picture of the yoke with the oxen. Jesus says, learn from me. So you see the picture there, right? There's two oxen. There's two. I don't know if those are oxen or if those are cows. I don't know. I'm not a farmer or an animal person. What, 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 are, are those oxen? Cows? What are they? Doesn't matter. I just was curious. The point is, is that those animals are going to do some farming work for a farmer. Right? But what's interesting is, is that in, in that day, and I would imagine in nowadays if there are places around the world that still use this method versus mechanical tools, that one of those animals is going to be the, the older animal. It's going to be the one that knows the plowing path, that knows what direction to go. It's been trained because they're yoked and submitted to the master, right? They've been trained, and they're going to put a younger one yoked to the older one so that the younger one can be discipled by the older one. You guys get the picture? What's Jesus saying here? He's saying, be yoked to me, submit to me. Why? So that you can be discipled by me. He's saying, yoke yourself to me so you can learn from me. You can learn from me. Jesus is saying here in Matthew 11, listen to me. Learn from me. Listen to my words. Let my words disciple you. Let my words teach you how to live. Not the other things in the world that are trying to yoke themselves to you. Learn from Christ. Do you remember in the Gospels, the Mount of Transfiguration? Jesus is on the mountain. He brings Peter, James, and John with him. 
and, and Jesus' face gets turned to white and he's in his glory and a voice comes from heaven and says, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. Do you remember at Jesus' baptism? John baptizes Jesus. Jesus comes up. A voice of the Father from heaven speaks and says, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. Jesus is saying this in Matthew 11. He's saying, come to me, yoke yourself to me, and learn from me. Listen to me. Anyone can say that they're a Christian. Anyone can say that I believe in Jesus. Anyone can say I'm a follower of Christ. But the rubber meets the road when it comes to the words of Christ. You know you're a Christian if you listen to the words of Christ. You know you're a Christian if you listen to God's word. This is the core of Christianity. Something will be the framework for your life. What is it that will shape your life? What, what is it that is discipling you? What is it that is guiding your life? What is it that brings shape to the decisions that you make? Are you yoked to Christ and his ways and his word? Are you learning from Christ? Jesus is saying, come to me. Yoke yourself to me, submit to me, and listen to my words. Who in here listens to hip-hop, Christian hip-hop? I wouldn't advise secular hip-hop, but who listens to Christian rap music? Nobody's going to admit that here today, will you? So I have an Apple um, music subscription, and the kids share it on their devices, and so Whenever they download a song, it comes onto my phone. You guys ever, anybody else has that experience? So I get all kinds of music on my phone. It's all Christian music, but I get all kinds of different genres and styles. And I have to say, I, I bob my head a lot to some Christian hip-hop. There's one group, it's called Social Club Misfits. Anybody ever heard of Social Club Misfits? Come on! All of you out there, I would tell you to go listen to Social Club Misfits, but you might not respect me after. <laughs> but I love this song. It's called Enough. Enough. And there's a line in this song that is so good. And every time me and Estelle hear it, we turn it up louder. And the, the, the artist, he says, don't tell me God is silent when your Bible is closed. Don't tell me God is silent when your Bible is closed. And it's nice, it's to a nice beat and it gets you all stirred up. Don't tell me God is silent when your Bible is closed, <laughs> right? Like, come on. That's right. <laughs> People want to say, I can't hear God. Where's God's voice? Don't tell me God's not talking to you when you're not opening your Bible. Come to him. Yoke yourself to him. Open your Bible and God will speak to you. He speaks to us through his word. Amen? Amen. That was a little bonus. I added that this morning in my notes. This morning in my notes. Don't tell me God is silent when your Bible is closed. You know, it's interesting. Jesus told parables, right? We, we talked about the Pharisee and tax collector. What's interesting about the Christian life and being a Christian is that we understand God and non-believers don't. We understand his word and non-believers don't. And Jesus talks about this. He, he talks in parables everywhere he went. When, he, when the multitude was around, he would speak in parables. And the disciples said this, that same day, this is Matthew 13, Jesus went out of the house and sat beside the sea. Great crowds gathered. The whole crowd stood on the beach and he told them many things in parables. 
Then later on in 13, his disciples came to him and said, why do you speak to them in parables? And he answered them. To you, it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven. But to them, it's not been given. For to the one who has, more will be given and and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. This is why I speak to them in parables. Because seeing, they do not see. And hearing, they do not hear. Nor do they understand. Pearls before swine, right? Taking what is precious. They're, they're, their eyes aren't open yet. They don't understand. And this is a mark of a believer. Your eyes are open. You understand. You've come to Christ. As Matthew 11 says. You are yoked to him. You're submitted to his ways. Now learn from him. So if you're a new Christian here today, how are you going to grow in your walk with Christ? How are you going to mature in faith? You're going to mature by hearing the word of Christ through Scripture. Through scripture. If you're waiting to hear God's voice, you're saying, God, I need you to guide me and direct me. Go to the word of God. Read scripture. The life of faith is a life of being absorbed in scripture. And the Holy Spirit providentially leads you in your life as you live your life to please him and his ways. Amen? Amen. Do you see the difference? Those who are truly disciples of Christ will listen and understand the words of Christ. They will listen and understand the words of God. What are the marks of a true believer in Jesus Christ? Matthew 11 tells us they come to Christ by faith and are not trusting in themselves for righteousness. They are yoked to Christ. They are submitted to his authority. And that submission is reflected in a love and a submission to the words of Christ. That love and submission, that, that, that submission is reflected in a love and a submission to the word of God. Amen? Amen. So what are the blessings? What are the blessings? We've gone through, these are the three imperatives. These are the three imperatives. Come to Christ, yoke yourself to him, learn from him, listen to his words. What are the blessings that come from this life of surrender? Look look back at the text. Jesus says, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. These are the beautiful realities of the Christian life. That if we will come to Christ, We will yoke ourselves to him. We will submit our our ways to him. We will learn to be discipled from his word. We will find rest for our souls. And I love the description of Jesus that he gave himself. He says, for I am gentle and lowly. Who is our Christ? Who is it that we are submitting to? Who, Who are we coming to? When Jesus says, come to me, who are we coming to? Jesus says, you're coming to one who is gentle and lowly. What does that mean? I love what Dane Ortland he wrote a book called Gentle and Lowly, and the premise of the book is based on this text. I encourage you to, if you want to order a great book to read, it's called Gentle and Lowly by Dane Ortland. Listen to what he says about this description of Jesus describing himself. He says, Jesus is not trigger happy, not harsh or reactionary, or easily exasperated. I, I got to stop. When I read that this week, I was under such conviction of the Lord from that section. Let's read that again. Jesus is not trigger happy, not harsh or reactionary or easily exasperated. This is our Christ. He's gentle and lowly. And, and I was so, I got so exasperated with, with, with one of my children this week. I was so trigger happy and reactionary. I was harsh when I, when I read that quote today, I, kind of, I just broke as I re- typed it for this sermon. 
That's not how Christ is. He's gentle. This is the Christ that we come to. We don't come to a Christ who's harsh, trigger-happy, and reactionary. He is the most understanding person in the universe. The posture that most natural, is most natural to him is not a pointed finger, but open arms. The point in saying that Jesus is gentle and lowly is that he is accessible. For all of his resplendent glory and dazzling holiness, his supreme uniqueness and otherness, no one in human history has ever been more approachable than Jesus Christ. This is who we come to. This is who we come to with all of our burdens, with all of our worries and our anxieties and our fears, with all the things that we're yoked to that are draining the life out of us. We come to a Christ that is approachable. What does scripture say about Jesus? What did he say about himself? But whoever would be great among you must be your servant. Whoever would be first among you must be your slave, even as a son of man came not to be served, but to what? To serve give his life as a ransom for many. Hebrews 4 describes Jesus as a sympathetic high priest. He understands our weaknesses. He understands our weaknesses. So he is a a gentle and lowly and a humble servant. He came not to be served, but to serve us. This is who we come to. When Jesus says, come to me, he's saying, come to me. Why? Because I'm gentle and lowly. I'm not like the burdens that you've been carrying. I'm not like the things that you've been yoked to that have been draining the life out of your soul. I am gentle. I am lowly. I'm not reactionary. I'm not harsh. I'm I'm not a pointed finger. I'm an open arm. Come to me. Surrender today. The call of Christ then and the call of Christ now is to surrender to our gentle, lowly, humble, sympathetic high priest. And what does that do in our life? What will that produce when we come and we submit to him? What does it produce? And you will find rest for your souls. Rest for your souls. So I have a question here today for you as we conclude. How's your soul today? How's your soul? What's what's your soul? What's a good way to describe your soul? It's the deepest part of who you are. It's who you are at the deepest level. How's your soul here today? Are you okay? Are you walking in rest? Are you restful here today in your soul? No? Are you not? Some of you are not. You're overwhelmed by the burdens of life. You're overwhelmed by trying to earn God's favor. You're overwhelmed by things you've been yoked to. Your soul's not well right now. Well, I have the answer for your restless soul. I have the answer to your anxious, tired heart here today. Come to Jesus. Surrender your ways for his and learn for him. Learn from him. Or as Jesus put it, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Would you bow your head this morning? Just close your eyes here this morning. Just you and the Lord here today. 
I want to ask you here today. This was the burden of my heart as I was thinking about this message going through this week. And the Lord laid this text on my heart to, to preach from. And I knew that there would be people here today that, that you don't have rest in your soul right now. And you are overwhelmed and burdened. And you are ready to release those burdens to Christ today. You're ready to let them go. You're ready to lay them at his feet. And to say, Lord, I am, I'm done with striving. I'm done with, I'm done with working as I've been working. And I need a rest in my soul that I'm missing here today. If that is you here today, I'm, I'm going to ask you to make a bold step. We haven't done this in a while at, at Living Word because of all the COVID restrictions and things like that. But I'm going to open up the altar here today. And if that's you, if it's just one of you, it's fine. But if there are those here today, you want to come and you want to lay down your burdens today at the foot of the cross. You want to lay down the burdens of your life to a gentle and a lowly, faithful high priest. And you want to say, Lord, I have not had rest. I am weary today. And you want to lay them down. You can come right now. You can come. Just come. Make your way down to the front. Just as a sign of surrender that you're coming down, you're laying down your burdens here today. And we're going we're gonna to pray. And we're going to submit those burdens to the Lord here today. Whatever it is, whatever you've been burdened with, In your mind, those of you that are down here and those of you that are in your seats, just think about the things that in your life that have been heavy burdens for you. Just, just get them to the forefront of your thinking. You're here, you're here, you're down here for a reason. You're down here because something tugged in your heart. That yes, this is this is me. I I I've just been overwhelmed by this. I don't have rest in this area. And I and this is why you're here. Take those thoughts. Think about what, what it is, the reason you're here. I love what 1 Peter 5 says. This is what we're going to do. 1 Peter 5 says, casting all of your anxieties on him because he cares for you. That's what scripture says. So this is what I want you to do. I want you to take all of those burdens, all those anxieties, all those, all those worries. I want you to picture them in your mind like this big ball of whatever it is, right? It's just this thing and Imagine and picture that you're casting it, you're throwing it over onto Christ. And that today, the circumstances may not change. Today, when you leave this altar, it may not be different than when you came in. You may still face the same situations, but today in your heart, you're casting, that, casting it over onto the Lord. And you're saying, God, I can't change it in my own strength by working hard enough. But God, today I'm leaving different in my soul. I'm leaving different in my heart today because I'm trusting you with it today. Would you do that? Just cast it over onto the Lord. God, we cast it over. God, I thank you for each one that's come down here. God, I pray that you would help them to cast all of their anxieties, all of their 
weariness, all of their tiredness, all of their burdens. God, help them today to cast it over onto the Lord today. Just to let it go, to say, God, here it is. Here it is. Here's my striving. Here's my effort. Here's my work. Here's my fear, my anxiety, my worry. Here's my offense, my bitterness. Here's the sin that I've been walking in. God, here it is. All of it, God, I cast it over onto you today. And we say, Lord, it's yours. And Lord, today we make a decision to come to you, to yoke ourselves to you, and to learn from you. God, I pray this over everyone here today, those that came down and those that are in their seats. God, may we live in that abiding rest. If we abide in you and you in us, God, there's... There's, there's continual rest. God, may we live in that every single day. God, bless your people here today. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I love you. I'll see you next week.